Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Hello and welcome to the 442 Podcast. I'm James Brown, Editor-in-Chief of 442 Magazine. Today we'll be discussing the 100 best players of the last 25 years, that being the lifetime of 442 Magazine, and that is our current front cover story. Uh, It's the last weekend, so make sure you get a copy. There's 10 brilliant, uh, uh, iconic prints of people like Maldini and Ronaldo and Maradona and so on. And we'll also be looking at your suggestions that we've received on Twitter of the worst players of the last 25 years. And we'll also be previewing the Champions League final. And we might be having a little chat about Chelsea's victory this week in Baku. Uh, That will be with Barney Hoskins, who's a Chelsea fan and long-time contributor to the magazine. In between assignments, he's found time to pursue his other passion, which is the writing of music books. And uh, Barney's also the... uh, Head curator of the what, what is it the rock rocks back pages, but it, it's the library of rock and roll journalism. It's the online library of rock and roll journalism. The online library of music journalism. Music journalism, because okay, you've got a lot of soul articles in there as well. Okay, welcome Barney, and I just want to ask you before we move on to our next guest, you when before you in this latest issue you wrote for, uh, you profiled one of the greatest players, one of the top ten. Before that. When did you last write for 442? I only ever wrote one thing. So I love the long-standing... Con- it is long-standing. That's what I mean. <laughs> I longest- think I only ever wrote one thing. What, and what, when was that? That was under Matt Snow's tenure yeah. many moons ago. Okay. And uh, So I couldn't give you the, the, the year. It was probably early noughties. And it was so about... that's, that's yeah. like, hey, have you got any more ideas? Yeah, I'll come back 
17 <laughs> years later. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that is anyone who's aspiring to be a, 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 a freelance journalist. Following my tracks. To do it. <laughs> That's the reality of what it's like once you get successful. You, you just like, can't be asked. One feature a decade. Right, our other guest who is... Um, much more prolific than Barney in the in the in the, uh, the field of football writing is four four two features writer uh, staff member Chris Flanagan and if you're a regular reader of the title you'll have read loads of Chris's articles he edits the front section he writes all sorts of uh, pieces throughout the magazine and his covers recently have included Pele Ronaldinho Zlatan did did you do the Messi if you didn't if you no, you didn't do Messi okay. No, uh-huh. no, but Slatan. I'm overclaiming there. <laughs> yeah. But uh, hello, Chris. Hello. You okay? Yes, I'm good, thank you. That's good. All right, it's nice to have you in the, the rock and roll booth that we're in. We're actually, we should say we record this in a special room that's actually set up for another magazine in the company, which, what is it? Is it What Hi-Fi? Yeah, it's What Hi-Fi, and they test equipment in here. So we're surrounded by really expensive decks and stuff. So don't go crazy, Chris. Um, right, Barney, let's just start. Let's get this out of the way. Chelsea, Baku, great night. The Battle of Baku. It was hardly a battle, was it? miles away over it. No, no, it wasn't much of a battle. <clears throat> um, was I surprised by how comfortable it was? Uh, do you know, the truth is, I, I went into the thing feeling fairly indifferent. That, I know that sounds awful, but I just didn't. You know, it's been a strange season for Chelsea. So even at half-time, nil-nil, I was thinking, I don't really care. And two of my sons support Arsenal, so, you know, I was sitting in between them and yeah. feeling like they should get something out of the season. But then they came out in the second half and, and started to play. And then I started to think, wouldn't this be nice if it was a great send-off for Azard, you know, who has, yeah. I think, the best player that, who's ever played for Chelsea. Uh, you'd have to say. So it was just a great send-off for a magical player. Excellent. It's, it's, I mean, he's been there eight years, which mm. actually nowadays is quite a long time Yeah. for yeah. a top-level player to stay in one place. Yeah, and he's been brilliant. Can I just ask you, why, really. why were you not that, that bothered? What's that sort of sense of... Because it's been a strange season, you know. Um, as what, many people have pointed respect? out, why are you all complaining? You finished third and you're in the Europa League final and and so on and so forth. Uh, it just because the football hasn't been great for the most part. It just hasn't. Uh, Sarri has been very unpopular with, with the fans. I mean, look, it's the sort of Chelsea disease, isn't it? It's a bit like Real Madrid. You get sacked for winning stuff at Chelsea. Mm-hmm. And there is a sort of jaded um, complacency and a sense of entitlement at Chelsea, which, yeah. you know, which I can't say I'm proud of. But... You know, it has been, it's been an odd season. You see, Chris and I support teams currently in the championship, but both we have, uh, 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 well, I'm, I don't know about Bolton. Were they ever good? Probably before our lifetime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, we obviously had a good spell, but so a while back now. Bolton were those, one of those teams that I think of before I was alive, of people like Preston and Bolton and Stoke that, did Stanley Mack, you know, Stan so Waters Tom Finney, Mack. are you, James? Yeah, Tom. Well, <laughs> no, no, so you know what I mean? It's yeah, kind of not, all black and white. Was it's black and white football. Yeah. But Bolton, so Bolton, he sports Bolton, I sport Leeds. Mm. We're essentially the soul music of football, mm. you know? We're at the heart of what football's really about. <laughs> Can I just ask you in all seriousness? See, I'm the opposite. Leeds were fantastic to watch this year. 
Uh, I was on uh, Five Live with, with a guy from Optostats, and he was talking about Leeds' possession and passing and, and chances created. And he said that the actual performances were Champions League level. Mm. The only other teams in, in, in European, in, in English football, that were having that level of possession and chances created and so on were like Man City and Liverpool and, and, and probably Arsenal, Chelsea, Spurs. And it was great. And yet we didn't get anything out of it other mm. than the enjoyment. So you, as Chelsea fans, haven't enjoyed the football you've watched, but you have won a trophy, which is mm. something like your 13th trophy in, in, under the Abramovich era. Would you rather be right now in Leeds's position where you're thinking about probably selling two of your best players to just to fit in with FP, you know, the fair play and be starting next season with a manager that you love, but players that you've seen gone and not having won anything for like 40 years. No, of course not. I mean, that, would you like to be insane. in Bolton's position? <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to be in Bolton's position. I'll just, I'll just <laughs> shut up now. <laughs> yeah. No, but I'm uh, having a go. Uh, you're uh, right. Yeah. But genuinely, it's bizarre. No, you're right. To those of us who go to football because we support the team, whether they're up or down. Yeah, yeah. This sense of entitlement you said about, you hear it at Arsenal, you hear it at Spurs, you hear it mm. at Chelsea, you know, it, I mean... Well, because lots of money's been spent and you get used to certain quality... And you watch the, the great teams in the Premier League and you think, well, why can't we play like that? Uh, we've okay. got a couple of outstanding players in Hazard and Kante. And, and then, but, but not a team that plays like Liverpool or Manchester City or even, dare I say it, Tottenham Hotspur. I, mean, I, so, I sort of agree with you in a way. I, th I think uh, since, since the Europa League final on Wednesday, people have been saying, well, Sarri's done a great job. I don't necessarily see that that's the case. You look at the Premier League, the expectation for Chelsea every season is that at the very least to challenge the league title. And they were nowhere near doing that. They were nearly 30 points behind. Yeah. So I think that's the main issue. Um, the Europa League is great, but sh should Chelsea even be in that competition, really? Yeah. If, you know, for the level they're at. So it's, it's a nice thing to have that trophy at the end of it, but does it mean a successful season? I think it just means it's an OK season. Yeah, no, that's bonkers. <laughs> when did, seriously, I'm not, I'm not trying to belittle Bolton. When did you last have... Top level trophy. Because Leeds haven't won anything since yeah, yeah. the early nineties. No, I mean, obviously you know? for, for Bolton, you know, it'd, it'd be a hugely successful season. Exactly. But by Chelsea standards, okay. it's an okay season. Oh, but but Chris, if Bolton, I know this isn't on the, what we scripted, but I want to make <laughs> this point: if Chelsea don't win win anything right until two thousand and forty nine, which is a shorter distance than since Leeds won a top-level trophy, okay? Will you look back on this season then and think, oh, that was a great season? <laughs> 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 when we thrashed Arsenal in Baku, came third. Look, it comes down to what football really means to you, and you can win things, uh, like Mourinho wins things, in, in rather kind of grim fashion. And uh, I'm a real football purist, and I, I need to be entertained. I need to... I need to see the beautiful game. Well, something that was beautiful and, and hugely touching, and um, this wasn't just my opinion, but you looked at the amount of uh, retweets and, and shares and everything that was, was the clip of Sari looking at his winner's medal. Have you seen that? No. It's uh, uh, Connor who does our, uh, uh, is one of our online staff, tweeted it, and we had it on our 442 account as well. 
And it's just so moving. It's like, he's just got humility. All the players, you just can see the players at the bottom of the screen. You know, obviously, it's from a camera that's, you know, somewhere out there in space, as, as most of the game was. And he's just looking at, at this thing almost in disbelief. And you just see this satisfaction. It's, have you seen it, Chris? Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you. I mean, I think, you know, the, 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 the route he's taken from not being a professional player, and even just this season, it, it's been hard for Sari this season. He's gone through a lot. I mean, he was so close to walking out of Wembley during the League Cup final yeah. altogether. That was that was hugely embarrassing for him. Yeah. So, to come back and get a tr- get this trophy that he's never had, you can you can understand why he's, he he's won no trophy. Yeah, has he? exactly. Yeah. So maybe his next stop will be Bolton. <laughs> Let's hope so. <laughs> okay, now everyone has uh, anyone who's read the, ma- the the magazine this month, and there's still a few days left to buy it. Do buy it. It's. Uh, I feel like I can say it's a great issue because it's full of other people's great work. You know, I just kind of bring it together. Um, we have put together the 101 best players of the past 25 years, i.e. 442's lifetime. We're celebrating 25 years uh, th- this year. And um, we'll take a look at the summer names featured on that list in a moment. But first, here's a rundown of the top 20. And now it's the top 20 players of the past 25 years, according to 442. At 20, Sergio Busquets. At 19, it's Luka Modric. The Seagulls have followed him to number 18. It's Eric Cantona. At 17, Gabriel Batistuta. Luis Figo's at 16. And the highest-ranked English player, Wayne Rooney, is at number 15. One name is all you need when you're at 14. It's Kaka. And at 13, it's Ryan Giggs. At 12, it's Fabio Cannavaro. And at 11, it's Rivaldo. Into the top 10 now, and at 10, it's Roberto Baggio. At 9, don't get defensive, it's Paolo Maldini. At 8, there's nobody bester, it's Iniesta. Zavi's in 7th heaven at number 7. It's 6 of the best for Thierry Henry. Into the top 5, and at 5, it's Ronaldinho. And at 4, Ronaldo. And then at 3, it's Zinedine Zidane. At number 2, it's Cristiano Ronaldo. And the greatest player of the past 25 years is Lionel Messi. The reason you two are here, both of you have, have written profiles uh, or interviews with players on that list. Uh, I'm, I'm going to start with you, Barney. You wrote about Zidane. And when I rang you up and said, do you fancy doing something with doing this? You went straight, yes, Zidane. Didn't choose a Chelsea player or uh, anyone else. You just said, so t- tell us a little bit about what you wrote about him and, and why you chose him. I chose him because I think I was more entertained and dazzled by Zidane's artistry, really, than by any other player. And I include, you know, Messi, Maradona in that. Some of my favourite players are those little short guys with very low centres of gravity and left feet. They're probably as a sort of group of players. (laughs) uh, Right foot. I do love, I love... Uh, I love those sorts of players. I think they they could be the most devastating players. And in some ways, you look at Zidane. He was he was six foot one. He was, there was something quite gangly and ungainly about him, mm. uh, superficially. But to me, he was like a dancer. I mean, he just did things that were so beautiful to watch. Uh, he was such a commanding figure. 
and s such a charisma. I, 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 I think he just did things that were just in another dimension. I mean, as Massey does. But it was kind of more almost balletic to be really pretentious mm. about it when you watched Zizou. I mean, you described them as just transforming the sport into art. Yeah, and it's not like there weren't players who'd done that before. But he kind of took it to a different level for me. I just thought he was so special. I thought he was a genius. I thought he had that touch of genius. He could just do things that wouldn't occur to anybody else, and 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 they would they would come off. They would they were tricks that would just come off and just make you gasp. Brilliant, Chris. You felt the same way about Kevin Davis. He was in at number very <laughs> very similar players. Very similar players. Yeah, a similar impact on the team as well. Yeah. No. Uh, realistically, <laughs> Henrik Larsson was somebody that you chose, which we had a bit of a discussion. Uh, I mean, the, the, when when you suggested that and when he was in there, mm. tell me about why, tell me about why Henrik Larsson's in there, and and what he was like to interview because you actually spoke to him. Yeah, I did. I mean, I, I've spoken to him a couple of times. I went over to Sweden to speak to him for four four two a couple of years back as well, and he's a lovely guy. Um, in terms of why I, I, he should be in the list for me, I mean, you look at how he transformed the fortunes of of two big clubs. Um, you go back to ninety seven Celtic Rangers won nine league titles in a row. No one had ever won 10. Then they sign Henrik Larsson. They, Celtic win the league that very season. He scores 242 goals in 313 games for Celtic. He wins the European Golden Boot. The only Scandinavian ever to win mm. the, the European Golden Boot. So that, that straight away puts him in there. But then you, some people might say, well, OK, Scottish football, d does, that, does that count for anything? Then he goes to Barcelona. 2006 Champions League final. Barcelona, in the 51-year history of the European Cup at that point, had only ever won one European Cup, mm. which for Barcelona is not that much. They're losing to Arsenal in the final. Rijkaard brings on Larsson after an hour. He sets up both goals. They win that title. They dominate the next decade. Mm. He was a hugely important figure for Barcelona as well. So for those two reasons, and for his contribution for Sweden, I think he has to be in there. Nice. Um, what, what, what do you say when you, talk to, when you put all that to him? Well, Is he I mean, modest about it, or um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think he's he's very sure of what he achieved. So you know, he if if anyone ever tried to say that you don't deserve to be in there, not that I obviously did that. Mm. I, I think he'd have answers for that. He's he's aware that he was aware that critics during his career had had suggested, oh, it's only Scotland. Mm -hmm. um, I, I'm, he he has he certainly has the belief that well, I showed during the rest of my career that I was. I was fully, you know, fully deserved to be regarded as a great player. But he also, yeah, a humble, humble guy. Um, we spoke about him playing with with Messi when he obviously Messi was like seventeen, eighteen at this point. Mm. Just to me, he, he spoke about when he, he met him on the plane going out to a preseason tour in Asia. Said hi to him, didn't have a clue who he was. And it was only once they saw him in training in, out in Asia, he said to Van, Van Bronckhorst, "Who is that guy? He's good." <laughs> um, so yeah, we spoke about things like that and, and the great moments of his career, like I say, like like Celtic yeah. and, and the Champions League final. Excellent. It's, it's a, I mean, uh, that the piece was put together by James Moore and Andy Murray. It's a brilliant. Uh, again, I feel I can say this because it's it's their work. It's a brilliant list. Uh, 101 players, and it, it mixes up interviews like like yourself with people like Shearer. Larson, and then he's got profiles from people like yourself, Barney, Hunter Davis, Paul Simpson, the original editor of the magazine. And uh, 
Are there any other players in there that will, will you consider honourable exceptions? Uh, uh, you know, other need, needed mentions? Uh, well, I mean, two two for me that I personally loved were uh, Georgi Hadji and Hristov Stoichkov, which is kind yeah. of mid-90s, obviously, 94 World Cup. I mean, I remember seeing Hadji play for, at, at Burnham Park in the Anglo-Italian Cup in, like, 93, mm. um, where he, the goalie made some horrendous error. It was, the, it was the, probably the worst free kick he ever scored, but uh, the goalie made horrendous error. And then, then the year after he turns up at the World Cup, Mm-hmm. And and does what he does and Galatasaray and stuff like that and I, I mean I, I nowhere near the same level. But I was a left footy player myself, <laughs> so I'm I'm a affinity of uh, to a left footy player and okay. and Hadji for me was someone I just loved. And Stoikov, the same. Yeah, I mean I, there was sort of um, Bulgaria, Barcelona. Yeah, yeah. I mean obviously two Romania and Bulgaria for those two. So they're sort of underdog countries that you know I I grew up kind of okay, when I, I like watching. that. Yeah, I like that. I'm actually more interested in those players that aren't your immediate top ten picks, and the explanations why they're. Barney, anyone else in there that you picked up on and that you particularly liked? Th- that was in there or wasn't in the list? Well, either really. Well, but I mean, I was really pleased to see Rivaldo so high on the list. Yeah. Because um, people don't talk much about him anymore, and he was pretty extraordinary. I think he shattered a lot of credibility when he fell over by the corner of. I mean, I really yeah, mean of course. That. Of course, I think and people. I think people think, as fans, you think your favourite players are probably like everything you want a person to be. Sure. And then that happens, and you think, <laughs> pathetic. <laughs> <laughs> now you but think you, it about your yeah. own players. You do. You think it about. You think what's he done that for? Well, I used to think about. I used to think about Didier Drogba, frankly, at Chelsea. Yeah. You know, uh, it used to piss me off. It really did. Um, and there were a couple of players that I loved from sort of watching, you know, Spanish football years ago yeah. that I might have put in there. Mauro Silva of Deportivo, I absolutely adored him. And Redondo of Real Madrid, I thought was an extraordinary player. So I, I love the idea of a sort of top 100 of players that, that wouldn't make a list like the one you've done, you know, but nonetheless were sort of, were real we're possessed we should of do something. that. We should do that on the. Uh, we should do that on online. We should invite people, other writers and and uh, and listeners and, and readers to to suggest another list. Well, it's interesting you talk about Spain there because there were thirteen Spanish players in the hundred and one. That's the most uh, representatives of any one country. Mm. England and Italy both had eleven players in there. Um, actually, I think Engl- England have twelve, but. Um, it's Italy have eleven, Germany and Brazil have nine, Holland have seven, and Argentina six. And just to quickly bang through the top ranked English players, we've got Wayne Rooney at fifteen, Scholes twenty two, Gerard thirty three, Beckham thirty five, Shearer fifty, Ferdinand fifty three, uh, Lampard fifty seven, Owen seventy two, Terry seventy three, Adams ninety six, Gascoigne ninety seven. I find that bizarre that he's below so many of those other players. And Letizia, 101. Very disappointed personally not to see David Batty in there. He <laughs> <laughs> was 102nd. But um, I, I think if Bats was Italian, they'd be raving about him. Underrated player. I always felt that. I had to get scorn if I said when I said that I thought David Batty was we, a decent we player. We have a better understanding of football now. If you looked at Kante 20 years ago, and he was playing for Sheffield United or someone like that, or Leeds, or somebody that's not as fancy as Chelsea. They'd just go, oh, he's not much of a player, is he? You know, they would like the people would look in and go, oh, he's 
He doesn't run through the pitch like Hazard and score sure. goals. That's what Bats was. Get mm. it and give it. Mm. Anyway, that's the Leeds bit. <laughs> 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 that's what my life's like, basically. Um, so, there's no Ashley Cole in there, Chris, you noted yesterday. Mm. Yeah, I, I think, uh, obviously, we're, we're all going to come up with our own you know, individual opinions on this, on this list. And it, for me, I think it, there's certainly an argument that he could have been in there. You look at his... The thing is, the test with a lot of these great players is how, how they step up major tournaments. I think that was something he, yeah. he, he always did. You could always rely on him to play well at major tournaments and, and that showed the, the true level of, it, of his talent and obviously a lot of trophies as well at a club level. I should just say as well, because uh, when we were first discussing this, it was quite strange because there are players obviously you think of of just, you know, greats, greats of the modern era. But we kind of felt like, because we were started in 1994 when a magazine launched, that we couldn't put in. So uh, the top ten who peaked too soon, who, who, this is a list within the list, David Platt, Prozinecki, Ian Wright, Rude Hollett, Moller, Corman, Baresi, Michael Laudrup, Lota Mateus, who's our columnist, and uh, Diego Maradona. Actually, that, that is quite timely. Another plug for the mag, Barney. I don't know if you've seen this. Mateus has written a brilliant column in this issue talking about his friendship with Maradona and when Maradona asked the boys that signed him for, for Napoli to go and get Mateus and they showed up with a bag of cash of millions <laughs> and millions, mil like really was, millions of, uh, I guess it would be dollars, it was, certainly wasn't lira, in, in a, in a hold-all under the table and said, Maradona's asked you to sign us. Will you come over? It's a great. I mean, you do the Mateus. Yeah, yeah. What was he like when you were, when he was telling you that? Yeah, I mean, I, I, he he didn't. Uh, he, he likes to talk. He tell that story for sure. And it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was um, yeah. I, I think it's. Uh, I mean, he he said it obviously because of the manner of how it how it went how it happened. He couldn't have accepted it because that's not the way. Lot of Mateus does things, but um, you know, he, he felt very flattered about it, and there's no doubt that. He feels a great sense of respect. You know, they, they played against each other in two World Cup finals, one, one victory each. And I it's think it's my favourite column that he's done, by far. Um, it's just it's fascinating because I think that's another thing you don't nowadays. When you see, it annoys me when you see players from opposition coming off chat with their arms on each other, chatting hands over their mouths. Imagine Leeds and Chelsea doing that in the early early seventies, Barney. Wouldn't that happen? Imagine Arsenal and Man United doing it in the early days of Wenger and Ferguson. It just wouldn't have happened. And you see them all chumming away because they've got the same agents, mm. the same sponsors, they've got the same nightclubs and the same holiday camps. And it's just, you know, it, it's sickening, isn't it? And yet, in this case, you wouldn't have expected. Um, a character like Maradona, who if you go and mm. see the new film that, that comes yeah. out in two weeks, it's a brilliant film about his time in Naples. Uh, he's out partying, doing drugs for three or four days. And whereas Matthias, you always think mm. of as a player, yeah. kind of a rigid, uh, you know, rigidly efficient, mm. hardworking, reliable leader. Yeah. You know? Well, I think one of the things he, that, that Lotus said in this column is that basically... Maradona respected him because when he man-marked him, particularly in the 86 World Cup final, he did it without trying to, to hurt or kick Maradona. Yeah. He, he stopped him in a fair way and Maradona respected him. And he did it well. He did, he, did, yeah. he did, didn't he? Marked him out of the game. Absolutely. Well, he didn't mark him out of the game, but he was... Yeah, Mar away Maradona didn't do anything in that game until um, 
Beckenbauer to make a tactical change. Mateus moved further forward, so he wasn't man-marking him. And, yeah. and then, at that, only at that point, did Maradona provide the assist for the winner. But in terms of when they were playing again, directly against each other, Mateus stops him in that match. OK, the highest-ranked goalkeepers. There were five keepers. Is that right? Were there, five, were there just five keepers in yeah. Do you want to read them? Read this, read yeah, this so we've got uh, Jean-Louis Buffon at 25, uh, Ike Casillas at 40, Peter Schmeichel at 45, Edwin van der Sar at 61, and Manuel Neuer at 79. Was there any surprises of people who weren't in there? I mean, I, I don't think so personally. I mean, obviously there's no English keepers in there. Um, I suppose there's, there's, a, there's an argument for David Seaman. For me, he's, he's just that little bit short, mainly because... He seems to get confused when people booted the ball hope in the air, like with uh, Naeem and Ronaldinho. But, uh, you know what? I just think, and, and Rooney, but I think the, uh, I think the Seaman, and again, I'm, I would turn to Everton fans for support on this, not Leeds fans. I think Seaman played one year too long for England, and at that time, Nigel Martin, who, who would, I think had left Leeds by then and gone to Everton, was a better keeper for a while. And I think we just, we have that thing that, you know, the great thing that Southgate, not, not great, certainly not great for Kieran Trippier, but the impressive thing that Southgate has done this week is, is drop a, 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 one of the stars of England's, uh, you know, tournament last year because he's not had a good season. Mm. And, and I think that, I think that was what happened actually with um, Seaman. He was just there a little bit too long. So he's, you know. Possibly so, yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, when you go to, 2002 World Cup and, and what happened with Ronaldinho was that because he just wasn't as mobile as he used to be there's, there's, there's certainly an argument for that OK so who have we got nominated by the uh, the readers and the, and the followers on our Twitter account of the worst players of the last 25 years yeah so we, yeah, we've asked people on, on Twitter and uh, so we've got quite a few interesting ones in so we've got um, Valery Ev Everovsky a Tranmere fan has uh, nominated Antolin Alcaraz of Everton we've got Patrick Bamford his Crystal Palace uh, days from George Mann who's a, a Palace fan um, we've got Milan Jovanovic at Liverpool yeah did you see uh, just a second did you see Bamford at Chelsea ever not really but I mean when I did see him I thought he I thought he was pretty good and, and um, he's an unusual player because mm. he's a very good finisher yeah there's no doubt about that when he uh, well actually if you saw him against Reading you'd think he'd never played football before he missed he actually missed a hat-trick of chances in two minutes. But when he does finish, mm. he finishes mm. really well. For me, he's the sort of player who, who his movement and his getting the right position around the box, he'll always get a lot of chances. He's not as clinical as he, as he could be, and yeah. that, that's why he's not a Premier League player. Mm. Well, he's, the, the perception at Leeds is, and I think you know there must have been a reason why Borough didn't keep on to him, because he was on and off there for a while, was he needs another former Chelsea Leeds player. Just give him some... Some lessons in aggression, you know, like Vinnie Jones or uh, you look at, I don't know where Joe Jordan's working now, but but genuinely, sometimes, I don't know if it's because he's kind of posh or whatever, but he does play in a very nice way. You know, you kind of, that's why I was kind of surprised when he faked that injury and went down. But he's, he's definitely got the class of a top-level player, but he just doesn't seem to have that, you know, mm. uh, you think about Troy Deeney, you know, who just wants to score. And he uses his physique to create space. And he, he's deadly, isn't he? Yeah. yeah, yeah definitely. I remember Danny Kelly years ago talking on Talk Sport before Watford were promoted, saying, I really think a Premier League should give Dean, a, a Premier League team should give Deeney a chance. And he's, and he's, he's been proven right. Mm. 
Okay, who else have we got on this list? So we've got um, Tim McSweeney has nominated Musa Sissoko for both the best and worst categories at the same time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which probably sums up uh, Sissoko better than anyone could. Um, we've got a nomination for William Prunier at Man United. I mean, he was a bit of a horror show in, in defence for a little while in, in the 90s there. Um, two Celtic fans have nominated current Rangers player Andy Halliday. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, Stuart Baxter um, nominates uh, Raffaele Nuzzo, a goalkeeper that Coventry had in the late 90s, played one game away at Tramier in the League Cup, conceded five, and wore jog pants. He said you can't trust a goalkeeper in jog pants, which is probably... That's not true. No. Because you look at the guy who was at the Hungarian. Yeah, I've got to say, some, somewhere Gabor Carrari is feeling, feeling very insulted at this brilliant. moment. <laughs> Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. You're listening to the 442 Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe through iTunes and Spotify. Okay, Champions League final tomorrow night. Or if you're listening to this, we'll already be out. If you listen to this on Sunday, just forget about it now. Just turn it off then. Uh, (laughs) Okay, who do you want to win, Barney? Uh, I have to go for Liverpool as a Chelsea fan. Okay, it's that weird thing of who do you dislike least. Because Liverpool and Chelsea in recent years have been on-pitch rivals, haven't they? Yeah, but I mean, you, go to, you know, you go to Sanford Bridge and, and, and the whole event starts with we hate Tottenham, regardless yeah. of who's playing. I <laughs> okay. mean, it's irrelevant. The hatred for Tottenham supersedes anything else. Why really. is that? I don't really hate Tottenham. I mean, to but be why, honest but with you, it's ridiculous. That? But why? It's just a very, it's a very old London rivalry and enmity, isn't it? It just is. But I also just, I like, I like Klopp. I like this Liverpool side. They lost last year. I think, I think they'll win it because psychologically they're going in with the mentality of, you know, we own this thing. We, we, we've won this thing. And um, I think Tottenham will be much more nervous going into it. Did, did you see the, uh, the little story in the mirror this week about Pochettino having the way that he gets rid of bad energy in his office? Did you see that? No, I saw it on your notes. Has, <laughs> I thought it, it was a joke. No, he has a bowl of lemons. 
to soak up the negative energy. Yeah. He's, yeah, he's, he's a quirky guy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we, we could kind of hail this as some sort of mystical genius, but I've got to be honest, it sounds like the first sign of madness to me. But. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I sit next to you in the office because I've never seen any fruit or vegetables on your desk, so you're like the anti-pusher too yeah, now. Yeah, I, I don't think I'd be you going for You have piles of empty twirl wrappers, don't you, <laughs> yeah. crunchy wrappers. That, 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 that creates a lot of positive energy, it has to be said, so... <laughs> Okay, um, Chris, who do you think will win and who do you want to win? Um, who do I want to win? I mean, I, I'm not hugely fussed either way, but I, just purely because as a Bolton fan, um, we went to Tottenham four times in one season in about 2002. We lost 13-2 on aggregate. I'm still not quite over that. So I think I'll probably go for Liverpool. Okay. Um, and I, I think, you know, I think, I think I agree that I think Liverpool probably will win. I think they've just got that bit more. Um, we're still not quite sure on exactly how fit Harry Kane is. It sounds like, like he'll play. But. It's weird as a neutral, isn't it? Because you have all of these different kind of things that affect you. Like I've got a lot of friends who are Liverpool fans. I've got, I've got friends who are, who are Spurs fans, you know, and they're Liverpool writers and they're Spurs writers. You kind of think, uh, with, with me, you kind of think, well, Liverpool came so close to winning the league. You know, Klopp's done brilliantly there, but he hasn't won anything yet, which is kind of like the opposite of what you were saying about Chelsea. You know that you know it's been it's been miserable to watch this year, but they won something. So you kind of think, well, you know, it'd be great for Klopp to win there. And then the other side of it is just, I liked it when Leicester won the league. I like it when things change. Yeah, you know, sure. it, w- it would be great for Spurs to win it. And all those Spurs fans, it's what Barney said about watching the uh, the final in Baku with with his sons who support Arsenal. It's like. I had that as well. My my son supports Arsenal and he was out with his mates and I just thought, oh, they've lost four European, you know, finals mm. in a row. It's you, you kind of feel for people that you know. So in one, I, I think Liverpool will win. Mm. On, but then again, I also think if you look at both semi-finals, it, it, it really will be a case of which strikers have their day, which mm. tacky midfielders take their chances. I think that's, I think either side could win, but I, I my feeling is Liverpool will win. And, and also, you know, if Spurs were to win it, given how they started this Champions League, yeah. they were almost out after two or three games. Um, this would be one of the greatest stories in Champions League history for them to then go on and win it. A club that, you know, no, even even before that bad start, no one expected to win it. Yeah, because also, if, if Liverpool don't win it, presumably the owners of Liverpool will continue to back Klopp, the fans will continue to back him. There won't be, you know, the, the players will have done their best. Um, but, you know, if you think about Spurs, if they win that, it could genuinely change the perception of Spurs around world football. You know, Pochettino's wanted better quality players. Mm. Now, they've got great players there, but obviously he wants to have the type of players who would be in our top ten yeah. uh, that, that we talked about earlier. And that's what I like the idea of, the order changing. You know, I like the fact that Leicester haven't disappeared. Mm. You know, that they're still a a, a good t- top half of the Premier League team. So, anyway, it'd be, it'd be exciting to do it. Okay, moving on now. Uh, that's, that's that's great. Pretty much coming to the end now, Barney. Let's just quickly talk to you uh, about what you do because I knew you as a. I started my career as a, a music writer, and I, I knew you when I was as a reader of the Enemy when I was growing up. I'm sure many of the older listeners to this will remember that period of the enemy now you have a you have your project which is rocks back pages have you got any football related articles in there at all 
Not really, James. Sorry to disappoint you. No, I don't think so. I mean, there's probably... You have got <laughs> Tina Turner, professional love for Grimsby Town or... <laughs> no, but I'll try and find that, please. Jimmy Page, a secret Fulham fan or anything like we that. We don't. I mean, I think your article's about sort of Chelsea football songs, you know, and, and, and probably like the, the Three Lions. The, so football does come in somewhere, but obviously it's not the main focus. And can anybody access this... Library of Music Journalism. Well, there's some free stuff that anyone can access, and then there's a whole lot of stuff that you have to pay to, to subscribe to. And it's to. Rocks Back Pages. Rocks Back Pages. And you do your own podcast, don't you? We do. We're, we're, we're up to episode 30 this week, and we have okay. guests, not every week, but um, yeah, we've been having some fun with it. Excellent. And what about your books? Are you, you've written a lot of... I'm not uh, doing any more books. books. Uh, that's it. I've, I'm done with books. We'll never really? say never. But yeah, it's too much hard work. Too much like hard work. Okay. Um, I've written, I've said what I've had to say about music, really. I've written, written yeah. enough books. Nobody needs any more. I know that you're going to deliver another story for us in 2036. <laughs> so we'll look forward to that. Chris, uh, what are you working on? We've got a new section in the magazine that comes out next week. Yes, yeah. Uh, we've got a new Players' Lounge section, uh, which in that first one you can read interviews with uh, Carlos Valderrama, JJ Acocha. Uh, Warren Barton and Farrah Williams. So yeah, yeah some, the, the some idea re- is that we just get more interviews in, and 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 so we drop one six-page feature and we get five interviews, shorter, punchy interviews, and also footballers, are, we, we, ex-footballers, because they've they'll talk freer. You get better stories. The 25th anniversary edition of World War Two is out now. The next edition is out on the 5th of June and features a comprehensive preview of the Women's World Cup and a fantastic story by Andy Mitten where he goes off to. Uh, find Maradona at Dorados and lots more uh, and Maradona reveals he wants to coach Man United which is well worth getting to read that uh, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast via Spotify and iTunes and you can follow us on Twitter at 442 until next time goodbye <laughs> <laughs>